Hello, friends, and welcome back to Coming In. Coming In is a podcast where we talk about issues related to gender, sex, and sexuality from a viewpoint of curiosity rather than judgment. If you feel the judgment come up, that's okay. You can say, hi, judgment. Nice to see you, but we actually don't need you today. And you can just send it along. We don't need it. We're going to have a good time without it. And if you want to keep up with all things coming in, you can also follow us on Instagram at Coming In Project. You can learn a little bit more about who we are and what we do, and you can dig a little bit deeper into the topics that we talk about every other week. Um, again, that's at Coming In Project. I don't pay for Canva Pro for nothing, so go check it out. I'm really excited to just get into our episode this week because it's a fun one. We're talking about drag. Yes, we're talking about a little bit of the history of drag. We don't get super into it. And I also just want to say, we say this multiple times during our conversation, but we just really can't speak to the entire drag experience within an hour. It's just not possible. Um, there's so much to talk about, and we really can only scratch the surface. So I have linked a few other resources. If you want to dig a little bit deeper into the history of drag, I urge you to do so. Um, and if you're interested in a follow-up episode, please let me know. I would love to talk more about this. Today, I am really excited for you to hear this conversation between me and my friend, Josh Brandon, also known as Ivy St. James. He is a local hairstylist and also drag performer here in Nashville. Super talented, super entertaining to watch. Highly recommend making your way to an Ivy St. James show as soon as you can. Also really talented hairstylist, come hit up Josh at the salon. Um, we're going to get into some of Josh's personal experience with drag, some of his personal background with drag. Um, we're going to brush on the history of drag, and we are also going to get into the anti-drag legislation that's been passing in our home state of Tennessee. The repercussions of which really reach beyond our state. It's an important conversation to have. Of course, once again, we can't get into all of it within the time frame that we have, but hopefully this can get the ball rolling and provide a little bit more insight into what's going on right now. I could talk a little bit more, but I think that we should just get on into it. Hi, Josh. Hello, Claire. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you. Um, I. I'm so excited to get into talking about drag, but first and foremost, I'm going to start with the question I start every episode with. How did you first learn about sex? Oh, so that's what this podcast is about. No, I'm, just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. You pulled me in for the drag gig and now you want to know <laughs> the nitty gritty, dirty stuff. Um, Growing up Christian and being a ministry kid, I most likely heard it from high school, other like fellow students, other people. It was never a birds and the bees conversation. It was never a sit down like, all right, so you're not going to get some girl pregnant. Needless to say, hopefully I never would have. Anyways, <laughs> that um, turns out. But it was very kind of like sex is bad, but you didn't really know what it was. So then you just kind of had to figure it out on your own from there. For me, yeah. at least. Wow, like not a conversation at all, though? Nope. Wow. Do you get, like, sex ed at school? Or... I mean, yeah, we had, like... I feel like every health class, you know, back in my day, um, 
had a sex education portion of the hellness, the health and wellness. Um, but I don't re- really remember. I don't know. I feel like I blocked out middle school <laughs> mentally. Sure. There, there are random snippets I remember of it, but as generalistically, like I'm sure we had a seventh grade sex ed class, but I feel like they tried to talk more about the diseases and STDs and stuff to freak us out more so than they did the actual like. This is what sex is. Here's a condom on a banana. Like, <laughs> I don't think they did that. But I feel more of my peers is what I heard about. Because, of course, they were having sex. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's the first time I think we've had someone be, like, fully did not have an education on it aside from friends. That's yeah, kind of a bummer. <laughs> It is, but it isn't. I mean, it was talked about in the church as sure. just a generalistic subject. Of course, they don't talk about what the act is. Right. And so I feel like they probably thought that was one of those lessons like, oh, well, the church kind of already talked about like, this is what you don't do. Like mm-hmm. True Love Waits program was a big thing around my area. Oh, yeah. era. And so therefore, I feel like, oh, well, you, you know, when you went through this, you went through that, you know, it's bad. We don't have to tell you like what it actually is. That's so true. It really is. This thing is bad, boo. But who knows what the thing is? Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like just being like being gay. You know, it's bad growing up in church, but like all they really tell you, it's like a man having f- relations with another man. I don't even know if they said feelings or attraction or yeah. you know, I don't remember what word they would use mainly, but yeah, those kind of conversations were just like, don't do it. Right. It was, it was, even, even I feel like drinking and drugs was like a conversation was just like, don't do it. It was never like, this is what alcohol does because they, I guess they expected all the classes or health and wellness or whatever to do its job for them, I guess. Good old dare. Yeah. Yeah. All that good stuff. Well, we can backtrack now and you can introduce yourself. <laughs> now that you, oh, now, now that, that that's, shared. now that that's been thrown out there. <laughs> Well, my name's Josh Brandon. I also go by Ivy St. James, usually on the weekends. <laughs> um, I am a Nashville hairdresser, wig stylist, and drag queen. And when did you first learn about drag? Uh, definitely college. Um, with all the current things going on, obviously you remember men dressing in dresses on the TV shows and that kind of thing. But seeing, like, an actual drag show was college. Uh, be- the year before I even came out, because I didn't come out until 2007 or 8, somewhere around there, um, we would start going to play. Someone was like, we should go out and dance. I was like, okay, I'm like, what does this entail? Like, we'll go. And it was a Wednesday night. Um, back through the 2000s, Wednesday night was the, like, it night to go to play. It was free with your college ID. Um, we of course, you know, went to our car and did things we're not really supposed to as underagers <laughs> because you could still come back into the club back in because there's no rules in Nashville saying you as eight twenty one and under you could get an out of the club. Like now you have to be in the club, you can't leave. Um, and if you do, you can't come back in. Um, so we didn't have those rules back then. But I don't know. It was just like something that was so crazy to be like, wow, this is so much. Fun. I don't know, it just looked like magical. Like, yeah. um, So that was when I first was introduced. And a couple years later, I was at another show. A friend of ours was putting on uh, a local bar that was they were trying to do, like I guess, a gay night or a queer night. It was more like 
you have a higher stage, like you're standing above the crowd. So it already seems like this little extra powerful kind of moment. So when I, we had gone to this show, it was more like on the main level. Like it was just a couple of queens. Like they were adding drag to experience for the night, not necessarily make it all about drag show. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, I looked at my theater friends. We'd gone out after whatever production we had done at the time. And I was like, I could do that. And my friend was like, oh, you totally could do that. So then it was just like, oh, well, here we go. Of course you were a theater kid. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we hadn't talked about that. Yeah, I have a BFA. (laughs) (laughs) Classic, the BFA to drag pipeline. Oh, uh, BFA to hairdresser, another stereotype as a a queer person. (laughs) And then drag queen, yes. 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 Did you have much of an introduction to queer culture before that? I mean, you didn't have much of an intro to sex, and, like, clearly queerness wasn't part of your, like, growing up, but... You kind of find the ones that are queer without knowing it. Yeah. Like, half the people I, I was close to in high school, even in the later years, are now out, proud, or married, or moved on somewhere else, and it's, like, funny. I'm like, oh, well, we all kind of found each other without knowing yeah but we never really talked about it either Mm. i did get very lucky in my journey of figuring out who i was that last year before coming out we had started going to play and a few months after going a couple times just watch the show go dance nothing major my actual drag mom came into my life and kind of i don't know pulled me out a little bit i guess (laughs) if you could say of the closet it was like no, you're queer. Like, it's like, no, you, I've seen you at play. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't mean anything. I'm like, no, you're queer. I'm like, okay, thanks. But we wound up working together. That's how we met um, at a shop in Lebanon where I went to school. And that kind of like was my intro. Like started telling me history because um, they were starting to do drag on an actual like working, not just like a pop-up show here and there. They were starting to work out in Cookville so we would drive on the weekends and I'd go help backstage at the show and like kind of learn the ins and outs. And then that kind of fed into that night when I was like, oh, I could totally do this. Like I've seen the backstage now. I've seen this, that, and the other. Um, at that point, I think me and my drag mom had been friends for like two years as besties. And like, so this one was like, so would you put me in drag? He's like, no, <laughs> I will tell you what you need to do and I will support you, but I will not put you in drag. I was like, okay. Did you have an idea of what your drag persona was going to be? Like, did, what was your kind of inspiration for Ivy? Um, where I actually got my name from is Uma Thurman playing Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin. Ah. That was one of my favorite movies. Um, I watched it at least like five times a year at that point, you know? <laughs> so I kind of was just sitting there. I was like, what would I want? And... My drag mom derived her last name. It used to be something different, then changed it. Um, Was from St. James, like James St. James, like the club kid from the 90s. And so they wanted to be a little bit more out of the box, so that either androgynous or something a little bit more over the top or something just different from being a pretty girl or um, an edgy girl, you know, whatever. So I was like, okay, what could go with that? Sounds classy when you say it, but also kind of has that, the little drama behind it. So I was like, Ivy kind of works a little, a little class, a little trash, I guess, <laughs> especially back when things weren't um, easily accessible. Right. 
Like, you can't just walk into a Sephora and feel comfortable buying all this makeup. And some of it was not necessarily stage-worthy back then either. Sure. Um, So that's kind of where that all derived from. Yeah. And I'm sure we probably have some people who don't have a lot of background for drag in general. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know, kind of give us the lowdown on what drag is and maybe some of the history of it. I have got some some history facts as well um, to share, but I'd love to hear like not just your relationship with drag, but just... In general, yeah. In general. Um, I feel like drag's different to every person, mm-hmm. whether it be the entertainer themselves, whether it be the person in the crowd, whether it be, um, I don't know, Joe Blow down the street. But drag is expression, it's art, and also can be just pure entertainment. Um, a lot of times we talk about in the, the drag entertainer world, you're either an artist or you're an entertainer. Mm-hmm. You can be both and you can derive into a little bit or dabble into a little bit of both. But typically you kind of fall into one of the two of those. Like you go out there and your sole purpose is you really just want to entertain. Mm -hmm. Then you have the artist side of it that's more of like the avant-garde fashions, the storytelling with the performance, you know. So that's kind of how you can look at it in a way. But drag is just an extension of being. Yeah, it's... Far more than, and always has been, like, male or female impersonation, which is, I think, kind of the misconception is that drag equals, to use an old term, cross-dressing, and that's not the case. That is not. And that's definitely the big thing, is it all based upon imitation. Yeah. It really kind of all stemmed from the earliest days with being a theater kid, the earliest days of written drag is women weren't allowed on stage so all of the woman roles in Shakespeare's plays or anyone's productions back then were men in dresses yeah and even before that Greek theater Mm -hmm. and the kabuki tradition of Japan um minstrel shows and then I mean it goes all through it goes through every century like if you're looking for drag you will find it in every corner of history it's Mm -hmm. there and that's why we're not going where now. Like, yeah. It's just now viewed differently or it's now a mainstream where it was kind of underground after being a mainstream thing. Mm-hmm. Back way far back then, it was expected to go into a theater and see men dressed as a woman, you know, yeah. like in any of those situations. But yeah. it kind of went back underground at some point in America specifically. Mm-hmm. And then now we're back mainstream again. I was reading about um, a really interesting, like, sort of code or, like, language used by queer people through the 18th and 19th centuries called Polari, um, which is kind of where the word drag comes from. Of course, I read this in something Sasha Velour wrote, Mm. um, classic um, drag historian that she is. Um, But when queerness was illegal, like people found ways to still communicate with each other under the radar and keep drag going under the radar. And then, of course, it's gotten so much more mainstream now with things like RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, even before that, like Wigstock and um, the club kids of the 90s really brought drag to so much, like, cultural relevance. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's a lot more than, like, 
men in dresses. Also because drag queens are not the only drag performers. <clears throat> no, definitely. And that's why I keep trying to say entertainers as much as yeah. I can. Because yeah. there are different types of physical entertainers. Which is where talking about drag can be hard. Because it's you can't just say it in one statement. Right. Like you'd ask me what is drag. I can either give you a one statement what it means to me. Or I can give you a list of things that it means for a community or other people. Mm-hmm. So it gets a little widespread sometimes with that kind of stuff. But yeah, we have... Males impersonating females, which is what I do. Mm-hmm. We have females that impersonate males. We have those that are born women that impersonate men dressing as women. Mm-hmm. Um, there are men going out there and doing an amplified version of themselves as born as male, whether that is more of a kind of entertainment go-go stunt kind of factor or whether it's a little bit more of a storytelling cosplay like Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of different and then even within that now like using now cosplay it's like okay you don't have to go on stage and entertain Mm -hmm. you can still just be amplified and portraying a character for you know a convention or yeah it's still kind of drag yeah as well you know yeah i feel like I've heard drag queens talk about people like Lady Gaga, and they're like, she's doing drag. Like, mm-hmm. that's drag, what she's doing. And a lot of artists like that most likely found some inspiration from whatever local community they grew up, or um, someone like Lady Gaga, I'm sure, went out to the clubs before she was famous. Oh, yeah, she's like, from New York, don't you know? Exactly. She never mentions it, but she is from New York. No, I've never heard that. <laughs> but, like, that's the whole point is, okay, she started doing something different than other pop artists, and most likely that was based on something that she saw as a drag queen she's like you know what let me push the boundaries a little bit from what everybody else is doing yeah i think where a lot of people get hung up is just like if you are not if you were talking you as a man obviously drag is like so much more than just drag queens as we just talked about but like i think some people have a hard time understanding that a man dressing up as a woman is going to be different than a trans woman. It's going to be different than someone who, like, is incorporating this into their everyday life. It's like a separate character. Um, So was your initial motivation, like, to entertain, or did you feel like there's this other side of yourself that's not necessarily who you want to be when you're Josh? But it's something that you still need to, like, get out, still need to express in some kind of way. For sure. Um, My personal experience, yes. I feel growing up the way I did, who I was around, the atmosphere, not necessarily what my parents raised me, just the atmosphere I was always surrounded in. I didn't feel like anything feminine could be a part of me. Mm -hmm. So the part of me that was feminine, I kind of pushed to a side, pushed... Which did nothing but cause me to not feel comfortable, make me feel awkward, make me overthink, make me overdo. So when I started doing drag, one, drag gave me a confidence as Josh as well that I hadn't found before. Mm -hmm. But then also, the more I did drag, the more comfortable I felt being like, okay, I can kind of tie in being more feminine as Josh or things of that nature. Um, But as a part, because, you know, life's nothing but journey. Within the last couple of years, part of my journey is realizing that it's not even just that for me. It's a character I discovered in myself, not something I created from scratch. Mm. 
So very kind of like dual spirited where like Josh and Ivy are kind of two souls living in the same body. Yeah. Um, so therefore it's like it kind of saved a little bit of both sides of myself, I guess. Yeah. So like I wouldn't necessarily, for those that may not know any of that kind of spectrum when it comes to <laughs> all of the, <laughs> you know, big giant encyclopedia of what um, queer culture, queer history, whatever it is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily alter my body to live my life as a woman every day. Right. But I do feel like a part of me is a woman living everyday life inside of me. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's like two people holding hands in my body, not just like, yeah. I put all this on and now I become the person. It's like, no, this person has now stepped forward and is now being portrayed visibly. But that doesn't mean she's not always there. Yes. Right. Hmm. And I, of course, also don't expect you to, like, speak for everyone. So yeah. don't feel like you have to. Like, and that's what I mean. I'm like any, your Anything I say today is <laughs> how I feel, how I view. Yes. Not the viewpoint of anybody. Else. Yes. Absolutely. And, I mean, you're kind of touching on this already, but how has performing in drag impacted your relationship with yourself? And then how has it also impacted your relationship with the queer community and your queerness in general? So I feel like kind of I just talked about the me part of it as far as the culture itself. I feel I've been able to now, discovering that about myself, kind of help make other people feel more comfortable with who they are too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also feel like being in drag gives, we're, we're supposed to be the leaders of the community um, because we're very visible in a crowd, obviously. <laughs> uh, no matter how how um, normal we look, we still are very um, visible in a crowd. And so it's been good to kind of be that person in the community. Like when someone's having a rough time, they know they can run to a queen and get a hug or say hi. Or, you know, we go out on stage and put a smile on people's faces. That's really yeah. kind of what it is, is a chance to help people forget what went on in their day, what on them went on in their world, uh, what's going on in the world currently. Like, when you walk in those doors, the queens are supposed to be that joy, that kindness, that light. Mm-hmm. So I feel like doing it more, the more I've been able to be a brighter light for people. Like, with my song choices, with my looks, with just my pure energy that I can give out, I feel like it's helped and especially when combined with all of us, like it helps bring a community tighter, closer, stronger. Absolutely. The first time I ever saw drag performance was at my first Pride when I was like a fresh little baby gay, just like terrified to be there, but so excited. And it really did just feel like (laughs) if these girls can tape their titties down and like paint on beards and these guys can like fully be in the sweltering heat in these (laughs) wigs and heels. Like I felt braver just being there. I felt, I don't know. Yeah. That feeling that you see a queen and you feel, I guess, safer. Like this is a queer space that I'm in. Yeah. Um, Like my first time, the first night I ever walked into play, not necessarily being, I mean, I'm sure at that point I knew that I liked guys. I knew that was a part of who I was. Like, I had a feminine side, all this stuff. But, like, shoving that far so far back for so many years, of course, 
I, but I just remember nothing other than how comfortable I did feel walking into that space. Yeah. That, I mean, seeing those queens, I, I didn't even know really what drag was, but I'm just sitting there with a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. And my friends who, whether they turned out to be gay as well or not, we'd all come out and we just, that was our thing. We'd always watch the show and it just put a smile on our faces even before I ever did it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. What's a drag show like for people who haven't been to one? How would you... I mean, I know they're all different. <laughs> Once again, we are not trying to universally talk about everything, but... Yes. The, the biggest thing is it because everything is so different and it is hard as someone that has been doing this for 15 years, uh-huh. well, technically 13 next month, um, been in the queer community for 15 years, I guess, 16 I can't speak for people that I can't personally speak towards things that I've never felt, but I can give you a better understanding of what it would potentially be like. Right. But like a drag show at play, if somebody came in and had never been to one, like what's going on? I I really think some people are sitting back like, I don't know. I don't think that people know what goes on at a drag show. Uh, and if they do, they don't necessarily know either. Like, <laughs> So you get in, you go to the front, you get your wristband, you get your ID scanned. If you're 21 up, you are able to drink. If you're you know, 21 under, if you have a fake, they'll catch you. Um, I know the front door staff, they will catch you. Um, and you can immediately go to the left, where our dance floor is, or you can go to the right, which leads to the show bar. So we are kind of one big circle, but we have multiple areas and then there's like a back smoking patio that helps combine the two so if you go out of plant um play show bar you can go around and go to the dance floor instead of always going to the front um but you walk in you've got a bar in the back and then there's tables booths and you can stand or if there's tables available obviously set and there is this little high-rise stage with a little catwalk on it and usually six foot men in dresses are up there just performing or twirling or snutting mm-hmm. um we have at play specifically about eight people on full-time cast and then about another like 10 to 12 that we rotate on a regular basis so we try to have anywhere from nine to ten in a show so you can see anything from a girl coming out and doing fallout boy to mariah carey to beyonce to like i do a lot of kylie minogue or a lot of um more dance floor hit styles. You can hear trap remixes to your favorite songs you've never heard of. Um, maybe all in the same two hours. Yeah. And then we do, so a first show's like nine. We do another one again at 11, another one at one. And that's anyone in the show, we're doing two numbers each show. So like for us, it's six numbers a night, six different looks, wigs, shoes, songs. Oh, wow. Completely. Um, it's not like a, oh, we have a nine o'clock seating, an 11 o'clock seating, and a one o'clock. Like, I don't think I realized that all three of them are different. I just got to park out up in front of the catwalk one night and watch all of them because that sounds like a lot of fun. And it's a lot of drag. So if you yeah. love it, one night out, you will get a good old feel of it all between all of us up there. Um, each show typically will have an MC slot. Someone will come out and try to like talk to the crowd, say how you guys doing, give a few little shout outs if there's some birthdays or bachelorettes and stuff like that. Um, so there is even a moment where like you can kind of react with a drag queen, not just mm-hmm. tip and have that special one-on-one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I guess the basis of it. Yeah. 
lot of lip syncing. Nobody's like, I don't know. There was someone, <laughs> I heard someone say like, yeah, but they just got their balls out or something, right? And I was like, what are you talking about? And that's why I'm saying like, I really don't think people know like, you're just lip syncing and dancing. Like it's not stripping. It's not. And also, I mean, people will do kind of across the spectrum of like, quote unquote seductive dancing. There, there's still there's still aesthetics when it comes to drag. Right. Like like I said, this is really a big. So I hope what I'm doing is clarifying anything, not necessarily making it more confusing for everybody <laughs> listening. No. Um. There are aesthetics, but when it comes to play dance bars, specifically being a nightclub, 18 and up, there are rules to have a liquor license that we have to abide by. Yeah. That is why we have not been this whole time. That is why we still should not be classified as strippers. Right. Really not even adult entertainers because at the end of the day, we're not really doing anything that sexual. No. So... We are adults who are entertaining. We are not necessarily adult entertainers. Yeah. Like we, as a bar, if we, someone were to come in from the ABC board, which was where we get our liquor license, um, if we showed under boob, kind of how Lady Gaga did during the Joanne phase, she'd wear the crop top with like oh, a little know. under boob. Oh, I know. We would get fined and mm-hmm. most, most likely lose our license, which would turn us into... A strip club. So we've had to follow these rules since play has been open. Yeah. To be classified as a gay bar, as a drag performer, as a that kind of thing. We can't show nipples. We can't, you know, it's not like we're walking around. Even for those that have real boobs or breasts or titties, as I call them. <laughs> um, you can't have just pasties on those. Right. Like that has been a rule this whole time. We can't take dollars outside of just hand to hand. Because if they start showing in our costume, then that's a line that crosses us over to stripper. I didn't know what that that was why that rule was in place. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a respect thing. You but... just hear it every night and you go to the bar and you think, oh, that's just a rule. No, that's a rule because we could lose our license. We could lose um, or we could get fined, not necessarily yeah. lose. But if you have too many fines, I'm sure the liquor license can be instantly pulled or maybe once. I don't know. Yeah. Luckily, we have not, to my knowledge, had it happen. So, therefore, I don't know what would actually happen other than I know we probably would get in trouble as the entertainer doing that Mm -hmm. because we know the rules and we can't do that. Right. Um, But that's why the bar for the law that got passed recently fought so hard to change the lingo because we've been doing this the whole time to not classify a stripper, so you're still getting it wrong. Yeah. And that's why male and female impersonator was added to it instead of it being... A separate sexual entity. Yeah. That's a good segue, actually, because, I mean, unfortunately, one of the reasons that drag is something people are talking about right now is because of the bans going into effect all around the country. And the one that is getting talked about the most is, of course, in our home state of Mm -hmm. Tennessee. Um, It restricts adult cabaret performances in public or in the presence of children and bans them from occurring within a thousand feet of schools, public parks, or places of worship. Can you talk a little bit more about this bill's impact on you? And I mean, Uh, there's some of it I still don't understand because I feel like there's a lot of gray area, but I can talk about for sure my concerns. 
um, and what it would have been if the bar hadn't been a part of getting the name changed right. from or getting it added male and female impersonator, not classifying us as a stripper and all that. If they had gotten it to where the bill passed without that male or female impersonation, we would have had to turn into a strip club. We would have had to follow the same rules they do, which, yes, meant we could have been more sexualized. But at the same time, like, um, there's only so sexy I am with five pairs of tights, a pair of fishnets, and hip pads that came from a couch cushion <laughs> in me to, like, reveal, to be like, oh, that's sexy. Look at that potato sack. Like, whether I have long legs or not, like... You take off so much of it, it's not still sexy. Yeah. So, you know, it's like... You're not stripping. That's, no. Yeah. And if we are stripping, we're, we're revealing costuming. It's not... We're actually stripping to show skin. Yeah. We're still showing a garment of rhinestones and feathers and all, beads and all kinds of stuff. It's just a more scandalous version of whatever we had over top. Yeah. You know, like, I may take off a, a, a skirt and it's just to show a leotard cut that shows a little bit of my fake cheeks. It's not that I'm doing it to be sexy. I'm doing it to get a wow response to, yeah. you know, it is more like a burlesque kind of situation than it is necessarily, it's not supposed to be a sexual act. Yeah. Yes, there are sexual performances, kind of like we talked about earlier, but even those are imitating what we see on music videos, what we see from pop stars, what we see from, we're still not doing it to go up there and to get off or get people off in the crowd. Yeah. Or aroused, I guess, is yeah. probably a better way to put that. <laughs> um, but back to the bill for a minute. Now with it being changed, play is not at harm. We, You can still come out and see a drag show. It is not something that is going to be affected now, other than us still as performers have the chance of, from my understanding, to be arrested for being too sexual on stage. Yeah. So if they were, someone were to be in play... And be like, oh, that's too sexual. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I'm assuming the board, or I don't know who this would go to, it, but we, we could still get arrested for being too sexual on stage. Right. Or not wearing the proper clothing or whatever the case would be. Right. We as individuals can still go, get locked up, go in front of the adult entertainment board, and lose our ability to perform at nightclubs or venues that allow drag queens because they would now try to breed us as a deem us not breed us as a adult entertainer stripper whatever um the biggest thing that will affect us right now is areas that are not play dance for in the community i'm sure places are that have had branches are close to these public areas um i'm i'm 100% 100% guaranteed probably it's going to be affected some way, some form. Um, nothing has been released to know what will be the case from it. Um, a lot of places that do drag brunches have been this whole time 18 and up. Mm-hmm. Some that are not. Usually the uh, parents bring the kids to said show. Yeah. So the point of this bill is they didn't even feel, care to look into most of these events that we were having with children present. The parents chose to bring them. Yeah. If you look up Susie Wong's brunch, there's nothing but drag queen pictures everywhere. So if you, back when Susie's was family friendly, the parents knew they were coming into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we don't really do this in Tennessee because I don't think that 
we've gotten there yet. Um, but drag queen story hours in like there's been some in Tennessee. They've been in a lot of I feel like smaller areas. Yeah. There was maybe I know Murfreesboro just done one. I know Cookville and a couple places in the Upper and Cumberland area have done them. Yeah. But as far as like downtown public library or whatever in Nashville, I don't know if they've done one. Yeah. But even still that's like a that's a advertised as a drag queen event so if right. you you don't want to bring your kid to a drag queen event how about avoid the library from one to three that day yeah and it's i mean a queen reading a kid's book like and usually the book <laughs> is a, is about letting the kids be themselves all mm-hmm. we're trying to do if they want to call us groomers or whatever words they would like to use these days for us if we're reading books to kids yeah it's just about finding themselves and being themselves it's not about telling them to be queer yeah yeah. Like, the, the, we're not doing anything harmful. And honestly, most of the time, after getting taking three hours to get into it, or at least two and a half hours, if not three, to get into it, the last thing we want to do is sit there and try to groom a kid. <laughs> yeah. We'll give him a hug and take pictures with him and talk to him. But, like, it's usually not even that long of an interaction because we're sweaty. We're gross. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... We may have done two numbers on the stage already, and now they want to take a picture at brunch. And it's like, okay, yeah, we can do that. But, like, it's usually what it is. Yeah. So this bill has some impact on, like, actually performing. But I think it's also having, like, a cultural impact of how we view drag, which is, I think, what worries me more. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to have... A pretty significant effect on trans people because the verbiage of male and female impersonator is pretty vague and and that's definitely the direction and my concerns are more about yeah and that's why it's not really as bad as it was going to be now what makes me nervous is i have several friends that are more just like gender fluid with their wardrobe Mm -hmm. not even just trans people that could be classified as male or female impersonator right. walking down the street. But I have people that just put on a little eyeliner, wear some flowy outfits, and walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get picked up and being arrested for impersonating on the street? Because they're not performing. They're not doing anything. They're just living their life walking down. Yeah. A trans person walking down the street, are they going to get picked up? Because maybe they're not as undetectable, unclockable as quote-unquote, when you look a little bit more realistic um, of what opposite gender you were born, just because you can't help that you had, like, stronger jawline, but you're, you know, wearing a wig and a dress because you're a trans person, does that mean you're going to snatch that? Yeah. Like, it, it's going to affect more of the community in that way and try to promote fear that way because it is a gray area. I was going to say, at the very least, it's instilling that fear and it's demonizing Mm -hmm. queerness. And, of course, all of these bills are coming from some aspect of, like, but the children! And this, I mean, how are children going to be impacted? What children were going to play to begin with? Like, yes, it's going to impact pride and things like brunches. But, like, in general, it does feel like a fear-mongering tactic. It is definitely that. And to me, it was also a distraction because the other bill at the time they were trying to get passed, which did pass, Mm -hmm. was for trans kids. 
And yeah. so I feel like they were trying to do almost like, here's a bill we know will make people aggravated and talk about. We're going to simultaneously do this other bill that won't get as much traffic, yeah. so to speak. Because drag queens have been trends off and on for the last five years. Mm-hmm. So let's do something to attack them. While what we're really trying to push is our agenda of attacking attacking trans health for trans people. Yeah. Especially trans children, like the fact that any trans children 18 and under have to, if they have gone through, which is an, a lengthy process to become officially a trans person, you feeling that way is one thing. That is how you feel, that's how you do, but actually to get procedures, to get your license changed for your gender card, mm-hmm. like those kind of things is a long process. Yeah. And even waking up being like, I'm a woman today, that still is a long process yeah. mentally. It's just to actually physically start living your life as a trans person is a long process. It's not like, oh, they're just going to start hating kids, hormone blockers or whatever the case is. Right. You still have to go to a certain level of therapy to get an official document saying that you can start taking this, this and this. Yeah. So any kid that has already gone through that mental struggle and then now has gone through that physical struggle of, st- struggle of trying to get their outsides to match how they feel on the inside now has to stop like and go and revert backwards. Like, what's that going to do for their mental health, much less their body? Yeah. Yeah. Do we even have the research on how that's going to impact their bodies? Do these legislators care? I don't think so. I mean... I think we know the answer is no. Yeah, we know they don't care. We know there are some that have fought for us through this process. They care. The other ones that clearly are either voting just to help get these bills across or so they'll get votes for their bill or whatever political game is being played at the end of the day, they don't care. No. And that's the stuff that's really scary. And I don't know. I think drag, drag queens in particular tend to be the scapegoat um, when people on the right are unhappy with the queer community. Um, And so it's been interesting to see these drag bans pass and then it's immediately followed up with anti-trans legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels like they're trying to misdirect. Um, And And that's the thing, like with the first bill that did get approved and passed through, the other bill with it being the trans youth, they passed at the same time. The next week, we just got that passed by the governor because it went through every process it's supposed to. The next week, they start proposing another one because they didn't get their way with the first one. So now what they were like, okay, we want to make every drag queen have a license or get a permit. I saw that. That got um, that got rejected. At the, As of today, it, it did. Today. Yes. Yay. So luckily, that is something we don't have to worry about processing forward. That one was going to be more detrimental physically to us. Yes. And... As the queens themselves or kings themselves or drag performers themselves, not as much as a community. The first one affects the community. This one would have personally attacked us. Yeah. I don't know if they would have created a brand new permit for us. Hmm. There was too much information that didn't get out before it was luckily not moving forward. Um, But the way to me it sounded like we were going to go on this public registry as drag queens, which was going to be one step closer to a a wiping out a genocide type motion because then we would be a public list. You get the, those that don't have our viewpoints or like drag queens um, riled up, they'll start shooting us down. Yeah. 
one by one off of a list because now they see it physically. Oh, there's 50 drag queens in Nashville. Um, I'm going to start wiping them out one by one. I didn't even think about that. Like, that would have put our lives at danger being public record because so many people do have a distaste for us. Yeah. I went to a brunch you performed at a day that there were protesters outside. Mm -hmm. And I know that that was... That was scary for us. My girlfriend was, like, really anxious. But I can't imagine how scary that was for you um, and for the other performers. And that's, I mean, that's before any of this legislation even passed. That's... Yeah, that was just when an article came out. Yeah, that's the cultural impact of what these bands are doing. Mm -hmm. They're creating... Chaos. Chaos and a feeling of, like, okay, well, then I am valid for my violence against this community because now everyone agrees with me that they're harmful. Um, So I'm, you know, doing a service by screaming slurs in the middle of this drag queen story hour or protesting outside of this brunch. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's one of the things that also really scares me is the way this ban validates those people. It is scary for us too. Yeah. And it is something you feel like you shouldn't have to think about before you go on stage and go, but the thing is, it's been that way this whole time if we really want to break it down. Yeah. Once Pulse Nightclub happened and Active Shooter went in and started killing people in Orlando in a, a gay club, it's been real for us ever since then. Yeah. And it was around Pride year, one year, so therefore everyone was scared to go to Pride. And it was like, if I'm going to go out, I need to go out around my people in doing something I love and something that brings joy to others, mm-hmm. I I will. I would feel more comfortable doing that, and that's what I need. To, that's what I have to kind of tell myself. Yeah. If there is a moment of like, oh, like what's about to go down, like, be like, at least I'm going to go out proud and strong. You know, so it is. It is scary. It don't. No matter who stands in front and stands out for us just know that there is some part of them that has to be a little bit scared too but the part of them that wants to fight this and the part of us that wants to change things is bigger than the part of us that have fear because we will not let them win at the end of the day so if there is any fear we quickly get over it and we go out and do our job Mm. but yeah no we shouldn't be thinking like that but and then i my thought that day was very much like um i have friends here like i put them in danger that's something you should have to think about before you go out and perform too. I think also as, well, I say as a queer community, but I think just as people, as a community, it's also up to us to support you and to be there and to show joy in the midst of hatred. Yeah. And like, yeah, to turn that fear away and say, well, I'm going to keep showing up because if she can keep showing up on stage, obviously above everyone else, obviously would be the target probably. Like it's kind of the least that I can do to show up and have a good time and not let this compromise that. Exactly. And that's really all we can ask for is show up whether you show up to an event your favorite queen's working at or an event you don't know any queen's working at. Showing up to an event is one of the biggest things you can do because if you guys stop coming, 
who are we performing for? Mm -hmm. So if you guys stop showing up to these events for us, those events will stop becoming. Like yes. if if it's a once a month gig, um, like a special event, like I know um, All Glory does an event that my friend puts on called Glitz Presents. That's a once a month. You stop showing up to that, they may be like, well, now the event's not going over well. We need to cut the event. You guys have to keep coming to whatever drag is being at to show that it's not going to change. Yeah. Other ways you can support are any kind of benefit that is going on to help raise money towards, like, the bail fund to, you know, help retrieve us from jail if we do get arrested for anything. Um, any kind of concert, any kind of big headline buy tickets go to it if you can't go still buy a ticket to support something of that nature show up to rallies where you can um i know there are a few things going around about with merch that are going towards certain organizations that are helping the community as a whole um a lot of drag queens do have merch so we have a site here in nashville called nashville drag that there are a, a quite a few entertainers all around nashville not just from play dance bar on that site that you could buy merch from that money does go towards the individual entertainer as well. So, like, there's several ways you can support. The biggest thing we need you to do is just show up. Mm -hmm. Show up for anything that is involving us that we need visual representation of people. Yeah. Yeah. Keep living the queer joy. Absolutely. And if you're not queer, even if you're just an ally, yeah. you know, like, but it's fun. feed off of the queer joy. Feed off of fun. the queer joy come to come and, just, and yes. just have a good time. Because, I mean, 50% of our audiences are allies or yeah. just straights that want to enjoy a drag show. Like, yeah. sometimes it's more than that because we are a tourist, a tourist spot these days, so. Yeah. What about the drag bus? This is more just out of curiosity. <laughs> is that still going to be happening? Um, as far as I know, they are still good to go. The route had to change a while back with the whole Hume Fog party bus situation anyways. Because um, Hume Fog is a major downtown school. Right. And the party buses were like going right in front of it. And I guess they complained at some point. Valid. I, um, so I know there was a point that all the routes had to be reworked. Um, as far as we know to this point, um, both of our drag buses are keeping their licensure. Because that's still like you have to get a piece of paper saying you can be a party bus. Right. Like, it's not just like, oh, because play can still do shows, they can still have the bus. Like, it's still a separate thing with the city right. that they apply for. And as far as we know right now, it's not being affected. Yeah. Um, because okay. it is something you have to purchase a ticket for. It is something that is on the bus. The only time that you ever come off of the bus is if, um, if and when you go to a rest stop. They usually have, like, a pit stop in the middle for everyone to go run to a restroom or whatever. And most of the time, the drag queens do not get off the bus. So, therefore, it's not really still even in a public space. They're in a private-owned vehicle riding down areas that children should not be anyways. Period. Well, if you want to go see some drag, <laughs> you can go to the drag bus. It, apparently, it's still running, yes. so I hear. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's but several things around town. Um, where can they see Ivy? So you can, we actually are doing this really big event at City Winery on April 2nd. Um, that Sunday morning we're doing about like 20 or 25 of us entertainers from around the Tennessee area, not just in the Nashville area. Um, 
we are doing a Dragapalooza type situation um, where you'll have about 20, 25 of us doing anywhere from one to two numbers and uh, trying to showcase what Nashville has. I do believe it is with Inclusion Tennessee um, and another organization. So we will be raising some money for things of that nature as well. Um, my regular cast spot is on Sunday nights at play. It is a DP house party hosted by the Princess and Deception, where the DP comes from. Um, it is our Glen Squad night. We do two different shows. We do one at 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. And then we do anywhere from two to three numbers. We play games sometimes. We do, um, like some of them are silly. Like we have to do obstacles in the middle of our numbers and act like nothing's happening. Um, like they had a leaf blower on me at one point. Um, <laughs> And had to follow me around during one of my numbers. <laughs> um, so it's usually a good time. And then I do brunch at Susie Wong's there as well. Um, typically I do shows at Tribe on Friday nights, which is next door, owned by the same people as Playdance Bar. Um, we do shows at 9 p.m. after drag race viewing parties or just a regular Friday night show. Fun. And where can the where can the children follow you on the internet? <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know if the children should be following me. <laughs> not, the but... children, not the children. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, my Instagram handle is jivy85, J-I-V-Y-8-5, which is not the year I was born, but back in the day when uh, the internet came about, it was my car rider number. <laughs> and it was the easiest thing to remember when you're in fifth grade, having to remember where your car is. <laughs> right. So. Very relevant to today, then. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those, it was my thing for so long. It was like, I didn't realize it was, I don't know, when, I guess, putting a year as your things were a trend. Right. It wasn't when I started, because I started with the internet. Like, fifth grade, we got a computer with internet, AOL dial-up. Like, so you went with what you could remember at that point. So anyway, Josh is old. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for continuing to show up and continuing to perform. Like, that lifts the queer community up so much. Um, and it's it's a really cool thing. Thanks. And you're really fun to watch, too. <laughs> Great performer. Definitely go see oh, Ivy. Thank um, you, thank you. Yeah. And if you have any questions, you can hit me up on the Instagram. Uh, like I said, I know I can ramble. I know... Um, it may be confusing for those listening that are not a part of the community or in this, in that, um, I guess the verbiage or the mentality. Sometimes people are like, what? And I'm like, oh, you can hit me up. Let me know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And me as well. I did a lot of kind of unnecessary research because I didn't talk about any of it, but I am going to plug, um, I'm going to plug a few resources in the show notes. Um, kind of, if you want to read up on any more drag history, it's fascinating, worth reading about, but thanks for being here. Yeah. This was a great time. Thanks. And I hope any of you listening have a great rest of your day and go see a drag show. Bye everyone.